Good evening and welcome to Spirit Radio. I am your host, Willie Hassel. Along with my co-host, Lynn Nickerson, we will take you on a journey, a journey into the unknown where the paranormal becomes the normal, a journey to a world cloaked in darkness where reality becomes a thin veil. So sit back, relax, and join us as we venture into the shadows, the darkness, the unknown, and back. I'm Willie Hassel, and she, of course, is the lovely Lynn Nickerson. Hello, Willie. Hi. Good evening. How are you? Good, good. Good. Yourself? I'm I'm doing okay. Good. Okay. You're looking uh, chipper tonight? It's the hot lights. It's the the hot lights? Okay. (laughs) Give me a little color. You're getting a tan while you're sitting here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you know what? we got a great guest tonight, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, I could introduce her. Please that do. that be a good idea? She'd probably like that, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Mary Joyce has worked for two major metropolitan newspapers, the Orlando Sentinel in Florida as an artist and columnist, and the Oakland Press in Michigan as a Sunday magazine editor and then feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and books. Since 2008, she has been the main researcher and editor for the website skyshipsovercashers.com, which features a wide variety of cutting-edge topics from UFOs to secret underground bases, from Bigfoot to Cherokee little people. Mary has gone from investigating mob stories in Detroit to interviewing people with the highest top-secret clearances about clandestine government activities. Her most recent book is Spy in the Sky, Secrets and Cover-Ups on Earth and Beyond. So welcome to the show, Mary. It's well, good to talk to both of you again. It's been a while. It has. <laughs> it has been a while. Yes, glad to have you back. Thank um, you. That the, the intro sort of mirrors um, the intrigue, because you, well, you do work with a lot of classified people with high clearances. Where am I supposed to be looking? <laughs> right there. Over here? Uh, over there, actually. <laughs> I hope we get this straightened out. <laughs> Um, anyway, I was really pleased to see your uh, your new book. Um, by the way, Willie, do you have a list of uh, Mary's other books handy? I do not. No, I just okay. I just got that, that one. Well, we'll cover that at the end of the show, Mary, so that everybody knows the titles of your books and where they can get them. Um, well, I guess the first uh, question I really wanted to know to to explain to our audience because you're not exactly from around here, so they might not be familiar with your website. Um, or my accent. It's a it's, I grew up in Minnesota, so there's a little bit of a Minnesota accent there. Oh, okay. And you also lived in Florida. So that's kind of like where you were exposed to the paranormal, so to speak. Do you want to start there? That's really what got me into this wacky world of everything different. And I lived between Patrick Air Force Base and the Kennedy Space Center. Got to meet NASA people, got to see uh, rocket launches and... Uh, got to see UFOs, and that's when all my interest in this began to start. And then when I moved to the mountains of North Carolina, I moved into a hotbed and didn't even know it. We had uh, we have UFOs, we have Bigfoot, we have little people, we have underground bases. Uh, there's evidence that giants once lived here. So um, it's a very interesting place to uh, uh, be an investigator. When you're repeatedly exposed to that, you've got to look into it. You can't just uh, discredit and say, I don't think that exists. I mean, when you're immersed in it all the time. When you see it around you all the time and you talk to really credible people um, that you just can't dismiss easily. You you have yeah. to begin to take it seriously. But I dig in deeper. I don't just take it at the surface level. And seeing is believing, too, because some of the shots that you've seen on uh, Google Earth are kind of hard to... Uh, to deny. Um, so well, go ahead. I'm just really happy that you wanted to uh, talk about this new book because I'm really, it's like a mission for me because I have found things that people just don't know. It's not on the internet. It's it's new stuff. And the only place some of this has been shown before is on uh, the Skyships Over Cashers website. And I have tons of photographic evidence uh, of cover-ups and secrets and mysteries 
uh, on Mars, on the moon, uh, at the bottom of the ocean, in Antarctica, around the sun and in deep space, and people just don't know about it. And because I know there's a lot of skeptics, uh, anything that I have found when I have used Google Earth, um, I provide the coordinates. So people can go and find these things for themselves so they don't have to worry about uh, being fooled by Photoshop. Um, it's really good that you uh, also offer the coordinates for that so that people can do the research themselves. They can go and explore, be their true explorer mm -hmm. and check it out. Um, but it, why don't we talk about that for a minute? Um, if you can give us an example of how what you have found has been interfered with, that luckily some of these um, pictures you found, you have printed them out immediately, and then when you returned, you found some changes? Absolutely. I'll give you one from Antarctica. Uh, I found two entrances into the uh, Antarctica and posted them on the website. It was the next day, I believe, not longer than two days, it looked like somebody had picked up a bottle of ink and poured it all over these the entrances so you couldn't even see them. And actually this cover-up um, was in steps. That was the first step. And then I backed off and looked at it from a distance. And for a brief time, one of the entrances was labeled um, Hollow Earth Entrance 1. The other one was Hollow Earth Entrance 2. Um, that only lasted for a little bit. And then it's like, the whole thing became a field of snow and ice, like that entrance wasn't even there. So there is a key on your keyboard when you find things that might be um, kind of interesting, hit the, uh, the print uh, screen button and you can save that. If I hadn't done that, um, I would never have been able to you know, present this information to people. And they got rid of the, the little tags that said, Hollow Earth entrance. Yeah, that, two, was, right? that was just there for a short amount of time. I, it's probably amazing that I even caught it. And uh, we're not wow. talking a small entrance. Uh, the, the larger of the two is 300 feet across and 100 feet high. Uh, my own working theory is that is an active entrance into the interior of uh, Antarctica. And because of that, uh, the famous they don't uh, want us to uh, know about it. Tell me, what do you think, talking about Antarctica and those two openings and mentioning Hollow Earth, do you suppose, do you get the feeling that the Hollow Earth situation is like all interconnected once you go down far enough? Do you have any idea? I think there's multiple things going on. Um, I, I got information from uh, one of the astronauts that I met who had become friends with uh, Werner von Braun. And Werner von Braun, and this was back in the early 60s, told this astronaut, that um, there was an underground facility that was built for Hitler, and it was called uh, Hitler Shangri-La in German, of course. And uh, so that's one thing. Uh, there are hollow tubes from uh, volcanoes in um, Antarctica, and believe it or not, the largest chain yeah. of volcanoes is in Antarctica, and that's part of the reason it's heating up so quickly. Um, and so facilities have been built into some of those um, volcanic tubes. Uh, there's, I, don't, I have no way of proving this one, but there are uh, people you have to take seriously who say that uh, there are uh, ETs operating beneath uh, Antarctica in some areas. Um, so you have Nazi connections, you have ET connections. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had a, a lot of world leaders that were suddenly going down to Antarctica. And I think in one, in one fall season, uh, we had everybody from um, uh, Senate, let's see, who was he then? Secretary of State Kerry was down there and uh, uh, one of the former astronauts went down there and there were leaders from New Zealand and some of the other world some uh, church countries. Some church leaders and uh, royalty. And that was in 2017, uh, yes. uh -huh. wasn't it? Uh, right now, I'm not sure of the date anymore, but it's probably right. I think yeah, that's I probably Yeah, I think it was 2017. Right. Um, other than, well, what do you suppose was the draw? Do you think it was live ETs or remnants of um, giants? Or, or do you I think, think that's something? I think, there's ETs, I think there's ETs there now. That's my own opinion. You think there were only dead ones? No, uh-uh. I think they're still there. Okay. And, um, and I think that aspects of 
humanity uh, governments are interacting with them. That's happening on, on Mars too. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned something about disclosure lately that uh, one of your hosts had asked you, why aren't they disclosing? And your reply had something to do with maybe the ETs are in control of that? Um, so you won't have to take my word for it. And I don't normally read, but this will be very, very short. Hold on. Oh, please do. There's All information a, uh, is good man, information. His man, uh, there's a man, his name is Professor Hyman Ashid, and he was the uh, head of Israeli space security for nearly 30 years. Yes. Very highly educated, very, high, very highly respected man. And in December of 2020, he went public with some of this information and revealed it to the Jerusalem Post, which is a highly regarded newspaper in Israel. And I'm just going to read two statements from that. Um, the first one is um, the, the aliens. The aliens have been waiting for humanity to evolve and reach a stage where we will generally understand what space and spaceships are. There's an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here. They, too, are researching and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe, and they want us as helpers. The other one is just one sentence, and then I will tie this in with Mars for you. There's an underground base in the depths of Mars where their representatives are, meaning the aliens, and also our American astronauts. So when I have used Google Earth to scan uh, Mars, I have found some really strong indications that that statement is true. Uh, right after that complete statement is shown in my book, I immediately show some pictures of um, entrances going into Mars. And these are not small entrances. They're all square cut like a warehouse entrance. They, in round figures, they go from 400 feet wide to 1,000 feet wide. And again, those are round figures. They all look pretty much the same, uh, except the, the, the trim around the entrance is a little bit different with each one of them. And I discovered this simply because I got out of the box I normally use when I scan a planet. And instead of going from left to right or right to left, um, I suddenly one day decided to go from North Pole to South Pole. I would not have discovered these entrances or the extent of them if I hadn't done this. I found 27 of them all in a line spread out over 16 miles. Now, these are not remnants from a past civilization. These look like contemporary structures. Yeah. Do you think that Mars might be hollowed out the way the Earth is? Mm, I know. I don't know if you can say it's hollowed, but I'm pretty convinced that there is a great deal going on underground. That doesn't mean it would yeah. be down to the depths of Mars. Uh, it could just be, you know, relatively close to the surface. Um, another piece of evidence I found, and this was in quite a few years ago, um, I was scanning the northern polar region of Mars and discovered what I call a habitat, which is a self-contained uh, living uh, facility so that you can live in a hostile environment. And it was pretty good size. It was 700 feet in length. And by the way, there's a tool on Google Earth where you can measure things in inches or feet or miles or kilometers, whatever you choose. So that's how I get these measurements that I'm throwing out to you. Um, it may have been five years later um, in one of my cruises of the southern um, hemisphere of Mars, I found another habitat. Looked similar in structure, um, but it was truly 10 times bigger. It, it was uh, 7,000 feet in length. So this is another piece of evidence that I show in the book with these satellite photos, with the coordinates uh, that show that um, there is um, activity going on there now, very real. Yeah, and you know, they look a lot clearer than some of them do. Some of them almost, some of the shots at times almost look pixelated, but those openings are very clear. And I wanted to mention too that um, there was some talk about the super soldiers, supposedly, that lived on Mars, that visited Mars and were working for the government. Um, there were three of them that have been really popular, or 
who have received a lot of publicity, and that was Michael Ralph, Randy Kramer, and Corey Good. And they were saying that they were part of um, a group of people that were both ETs and Earthlings on Mars. So it's not such a far-fetched idea that there might be um, habitats, habitats established for, the, for these people so that they could live on the surface, because supposedly the race that is, well, indigenous to Mars went underground. But maybe it's the humans that are living, who knows, in those habitats. Tats. And it could be both. It could be both. And yeah. when, these, when those gentlemen first came out and started talking about uh, this experience, it sounded like sci-fi stuff, and people had a hard time taking them seriously. I did, yeah. After these discoveries that I have made and this testimony from the Israeli man, um, you have to begin to wonder if maybe there is truth to the to what they're saying because uh, why are why am I finding all this evidence? Right. Um, I, would you tell people how you find this information? Because I don't think everybody's aware of um, Google Earth allows you to look at other planets. Uh, Google Earth is um, something that anybody can use. You don't even have to pay for it. And once you open that up, at the very top, uh, there's a strip and there's a little tiny image of Saturn. Um, they use that because it clearly looks like a planet instead of a round ball. And if you click on that, you have a choice of looking at Mars, looking at the moon, or looking at Earth. So you just click on the one you want. So um, there's... Okay. Each one of those will provide satellite imagery of whichever orb you want to look at. And there's also supposed to be a dumb on Mars, a deep underground military base, correct? These entrances would certainly that. make that seem quite believable, I would think. Yeah. Supposedly, Mars has been occupied for quite a while. Uh, and, and even, I know, uh, a colony of them came to, the, uh, came to Earth. Let me see. Um, how about the moon? Well, which, which planet was it? Was it Mars that you saw the skids, the, um, the circular disks that oh, skidded that's on Mars. the surface? I, found, I actually found a lot on Mars. And I found two um, spacecraft, round spacecraft, that okay. had skidded to a stop on the surface. Uh, one of them was um, over 400 feet in diameter, which is pretty darn, oh no, 400 miles, I'm sorry, 400 miles. Uh, no, I'm giving bad information. <laughs> yeah, it is 400 feet, I can't do it? my decimals. Let's move the decimal over. It's one is four miles in diameter. The other one is three and a half miles in diameter. Uh, the one, you can actually see the skid mark. I measured it. It was 4,400 feet in length. Amazing. Uh, before it slammed into the soil of Mars. Uh, the other one was a smaller craft. Um, I, that I wasn't able to measure very well, uh, but it didn't look as big. But the more interesting one is I found one that was parked on Mars. It was round. Uh, it cast a shadow. Uh, it had a raised center. And there are some UFOs that have been photographed from Earth that have this general shape and appearance. Uh, and it was just parked there, and it was um, it was one of those that was like in the three and a half um, mile diameter size. So um, that's another thing I found on Mars. In looking at that, those, those three craft in particular, Mary, did you get the impression that maybe they had been shot down? Could you tell if there was damage on them at all? I I, I don't I don't know the answer, and there was no visual. Okay indications that would make me make any conclusions. But the one was simply parked there. Um, supposedly, the crash in Roswell in 1947 had happened because it was during an electrical storm and that it was like um, sizzled out of the sky because the electricity and it, it messed up their um, anti-gravity system. Right. It, so it, I suppose it could be the same thing. Who, who knows what weather was on Mars at the time? So I was just curious if you got a, an idea well, of why one, they crashed. The one associated, or with several associated with the time of Roswell were small craft compared to these. They, they, were, they were very small. Um, 
how the ones came down on Mars, I do not know. Mm -hmm. I mean, your imagination can go wild. Are we talking yeah. like uh, uh, the good and bad ETs that some fight each other? I don't know. I really don't know. Okay, so let's hop to the moon. What I'm curious about is, I haven't explored this yet, if on Google Earth, if you can see the backside of the moon at all. Yes, you can. You can. Um, I had no, I had no um, hope of finding something really good when I started scanning uh, the moon. And the reason is, is because NASA has been covering up the things that have been found on the backside for decades, absolute decades. So I figured anything I would find interesting would have already been covered up. Much to my surprise, I did find one thing, and it was a white pyramid, pretty good size. It was uh, 28 feet longer uh, than a football field on each side, and it's on the side facing Earth. That surprised me, absolutely surprised me. And again, I have the coordinates so other people can go and find it. Why do you suppose the pyramid is such a predominant shape in ancient uh, civilizations? That's a really good question, isn't it? Maybe, uh, yeah. maybe Willie can answer that one. They seem to be all over the place. Apparently, there's some undersea uh, on Earth, but also on Mars How, and on, on, on the moon. Right. And um, I can tell you a real quick personal story. When I lived uh, on Cocoa Beach, I was with a friend at the pier in Cocoa Beach one day and got into a conversation with a young couple and they were divers and they were still excited because when they had been diving off of Vero Beach, Florida, which is to the south of there, um, they had found the, the peak of a pyramid. And that just always stuck in my head. That was a brand new thought to me at that time, because we're going back a long time. And when I used Google Earth and did a whole lot of exploring, I found two pyramids sticking up out of the sand just south of Paradise Beach or Paradise Island in the Bahamas. And this is another one where I have evidence that they want to hide stuff, that the famous they want to cover things up. I have a picture of that as I found it on Google Earth. And then after I posted it, they had taken a new satellite stri photo strip and put it right over where those um, pyramids were. Do you wonder if that was deliberate? I would think so. <laughs> I think so. Maybe. I think maybe. So. It, looked, it was like a little band-aid had been stuck on there. Jeez. So again, I show the before and after pictures because I keep hitting that print screen button when I find mm -hmm. anything interesting. We and know that, the government wouldn't do that, right? Well, probably no. not. No. no. I don't think so. No. Um, no. Did you say there were two pyramids there? Yeah, they were adjacent to each other. So were they just the, um, the, the triangular-shaped ones, or were they step pyramids? One of each. You're kidding. No, one was just like this, and the other one, it was, it was like this, and then, you know. Yeah, up. because, yeah. you know, predominantly in the um, uh, Mexico, South America, uh, and Central America, you've got a lot of the step pyramids. So that makes sense. That's really interesting. But, but two of them right, to get, right next to each other, I found incredible. Wow. By the way, what I found in the ocean of the Pacific is totally different. And what I found there seems to support the idea that there once was a continent uh, that people call Lemuria or Mu, that's uh, the ocean gobbled up in ancient times. Uh, the structures there are totally different than the ones I found in the Atlantic. And from Alaska down to the Baja Peninsula, I found these ancient structures on the ocean floor. And the most remarkable one looks like an airport runway. I mean, with the loops and the turnarounds. And in the book, I have a picture of that. And then right next to it or beneath it, I have a picture of the um, I think it's a Spokane, Washington uh, airport. They look almost identical in structure, except for one thing. The longest um, airstrip in the world is just slightly over um, three miles. This one is 39 miles long. And the other structures also indicate something enormous. So then I do research uh, rather recent research from uh, somebody who's uh, been in Micronesia, and uh, I'll be posting that next week on the on the um, 
website, skyshipsovercashers.com. So this is really new. And they have, um, they talk about giants in ancient times um, yeah. that would fly in to where they were. And they're, you know, it just makes you wonder if it was a totally different culture and uh, it would look like the people were of a much grander size than what you would find in um, the Atlantic. Well, it sounds like the Anunnaki uh, were were interacting with us at that point. And I hadn't heard of them being in the Pacific Ocean, just primarily in the South of Africa and the Middle East. Um, you had mentioned that maybe it was Von Braun who said that the Nazis got their anti-gravitational information from, um, from the Anunnaki, right? From, no, he from said that they've got their... Um, Von, if, I hope I can say this right. Uh, Von Braun said that they, the Nazis got their space uh, information from the people from Aldebaran. Aldebaran, Aldebaran. I always pronounce that wrong. Yes. Well, I have to concentrate to say it because I, my mind wants to do something else with those letters. It's Aldebaran. Um, so I think it's got, in that constellation, like 13 planets. One of them is occupied by the Anunnaki. So that really does make sense. And they were supposed to be giants. It, it all fits together. It when you start putting together. all these pieces of information, and you, unlike many people, have a, a great depth of um, understanding of uh, some of our very, very ancient history. So you can weave it together quicker than a lot of people. It's pretty aggravating that's all been kept from us, you know? But it's also exciting to find it, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, you also said that you found some other structures in the Pacific Ocean. I wanted to talk about Malibu in a minute, but um, what was it, Micronesia? You Didn't you find something there? Right, now that's not in the book. That is something I've just learned about. It's something that will be on the website um, uh, by the end of next week. Oh, okay, that. So um, were any of them those, um, you know, we talked about the circular stone structures. Were, were anything, did you find anything like that under the ocean? Um, no, I didn't. <clears throat> I found the foot, like footprints of large buildings, um, where you can see where you can actually see where it once stood or the building once stood. Um, you can see things that look like roads in certain places. Uh, there's one that looks like a, a, a farmer's field, except the dimensions are huge. You can see the, the, the growing lines this way and then this way. Um, there's just a ton of them. And uh, I find them very, very fascinating. And I'm probably not answering your question. Yeah, because they don't look natural, so you do wonder what the heck were they? Because some of these things right. just sort of defla defy an explanation. Right, absolutely. Well, okay, then how about, we got a minute or so? Yeah, about, yeah. about that. Yeah. How about the structure in Malibu? When I first saw that, that blew my mind. And it's Now, been I get no credit for that finding that one. Somebody else found that, but it was the inspiration for me to explore extensively and discover these other things. And um, I have the dimensions in the book, but we're talking, oh, let's see if I can remember. It seems like there's this flat roof that's really thick, you know, yeah. maybe. And it has huge um, columns, of pillars. Columns, and uh, it's, it's fascinating. Something very large created that. So and, it makes uh, you wonder still, what. There's still a lot of UFO activity um, in that area. Um, True. But, you know, you just don't know, you just don't know if it's a remnant of an ancient time or if more contemporary um, sources have used ancient structures. I just don't know. It does wasn't make you the, wonder what. I was just going to say, wasn't it Preston Dennett? Preston yeah. Dennett, yes. Yeah. He's yeah. he done extensive research that. on UFOs, um, like in um, Catalina Island area, that area. Mm. Yep, UFOs of California, Nevada. And so what, what I'm curious to know is, since they've got so many pillars, what the heck is flying in there? Because it does look like almost like a hangar or a place to house aerial craft. Or it's really you know, strange, though, because That would because be a good question like... to take up after the bottom of the hour. Well, okay, we could do that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. it's, it's time for a quick break, and uh, we will be back in just a couple minutes. Thank you.
welcome back. I'm Willie, she is Lynn, and our guest tonight is Mary Joyce. Welcome back, Mary. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you. So uh, we wanted to uh, go back to the topic of the moon. You had a few more comments to make about that. We're all ears. Um, there's a woman whose name uh, is uh, Donna Hare. Uh, she just passed away this year. And she was a, a technician in the photo lab at NASA. Uh, she was an artist. She had uh, some kind of high security clearance. And in 1995, which is a long time ago, she went on the radio, and this was before podcast. She went on the radio and um, uh, she said quite a bit. And I have the entire transcript in my book. But the things that stand out in my mind is she said that thousands of NASA photos of the moon had been airbrushed. And one of the stories she told me, which really stands out in my mind, is that she had another office. And one day, one of the uh, guys who worked at NASA came in and he had a big gash on his head. And of course she asked about it. And one of his jobs <clears throat> was to burn and destroy um, NASA photos of the moon. And he took a little extra time to look at some of these photos and the person who apparently was guarding him whacked him over the head with the um, rifle butt. And uh, um, I thought that was uh, interesting that they would go to that extent to keep somebody from um, letting that secret out. So that was one of the stories she told that I thought was very fascinating. She also knew people who were, were involved with the astronauts and uh, she said that all the astronauts saw spacecraft following their missions to the moon, without exception. Following, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. So she had, she had uh, great credentials, and um, um, like I said, it took me a long, long time to find uh, a copy of the transcript, but I finally did, and it's included in the book. Didn't the astronauts have a, a pet name for the UFOs? Was it bogey or something? That's one, that's one of the terms they used. Okay. They probably had a lot of other ones too, but that's, that's one that is commonly known. I thought so, because they had seen things on the moon, and I know that they saw things when they were talking while they were in space. And uh, that, that must they have been kind of hard. I think they used things like Santa Claus and things like that right, too. Right, right, that was another one. I mean, you know, you know stuff's going on out there. In the book, I include a NASA slide, and it has the writing around it with a description of it. And you can see an example of bare, uh, really bad airbrushing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's two towers that were found on the moon, but you can actually see the brush strokes where they tried yeah. to cover it up. And they clearly label what it is, that they had uh, uh, evidence of, uh, no, that this oh, was- redacted or something? They actually spelled out what they'd done to cover this up, and it's right there on the NASA slide. So I was, um, I did include that in the book. Yeah, that's great. What about, does the government have a tendency to pixelate a picture, or do they just kind of airbrush it out? Uh, in the early days, it was trick. It was it was airbrushing, and uh, airbrushing. You know, technology has changed a lot since then. So they can probably do different things to. Uh, make things disappear. Yeah. Did we um, finish talking about the backside of the moon? Was there anything else you wanted to add to that? Um, if anybody gets lucky and uses Google Earth and finds something that hasn't been you know, airbrushed away already, please let me know. It, and uh, you can contact me at skyshipsovercashers.com and uh, there's a, a way to get in touch that's on the homepage. Okay. So the other... Um, ability that you have is to watch some of the cameras that, that are operated by NASA, right? Some of the satellite cameras, and one is SOHO? Oh, yes, yes. Um, there is a camera, a satellite camera, that is constantly monitoring the sun, takes a picture every 15 minutes. It's, um, you can just type in SOHO, S-O-H-O, -O, uh, live feed, and you can watch what's happening right, right there. And I check into it every once in a while. Occasionally, I will get lucky and find something really great. Uh, in the book, I have some of those um, SOHO satellite uh, photos, but this has a, another dimension to it. 
uh, back in 2013, I was contacted by a man from the Netherlands and he was taking NASA satellite SOHO photos and he was zooming in on these huge objects around the sun and he would clear up the debris so you could see it more clearly. And we, he, he got phenomenal images which I've included in the book. The only other place they've ever been uh, posted before is on our website, skyshipsovercashers.com. And to this day, I'm just amazed by them. Every single one of these uh, spacecraft uh, that appears around the sun every once in a while is bigger than Jupiter, which is our largest planet. And some of them are even bigger than that. There's one, it, it um, looks like an extension cord. It goes out like this. And the full extension of it is much longer than the diameter of the sun. And the diameter of the sun is over 800,000 miles. So we're talking beyond humongous. We're talking huge. Um, we also found two of them uh, that were shaped sort of like a thunderbird or like a, a winged shape like oh, this. Yeah. <clears throat> when you zero in on it, it has structure and it looks uh, sort of like a condominium. And the two of us uh, decided to name these and we named one the Isis Hotel and the other one the Phoenix Hotel. And again, these pictures are in the book and you can see a very unexpected shape, a very unexpected structure. Um, the one that was like an extension cord had the detail of um, like zeroing in on a flute or a uh, saxophone where you can see all the silver and see the buttons. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see uh, some of that in uh, these pictures. There's another one that looks like a, a child's rocket that's shaped like this with a face like that. Hmm. And it's like maybe they made it out of um, uh, Legos. So the shapes are uh, will vary tremendously. The size is just mind boggling. Um, it makes um, uh, any mothership that people think they've seen from Earth um, just seem ridiculous. Kids stuff. <laughs> um, what kind of puzzles me is in, in seeing the picture and you describing it, the one that looks like the phoenix, it's very angular. So I was wondering, is that what does that do to, because obviously having angles like that, the vehicle would not be aerodynamically feasible, I wouldn't think. You know, I would think that it should have some like soft curves to it. So what and these don't. These don't. And you wouldn't expect that one that looks like an extension cord to be able to fly either. Um, God. So they have, they have, te they, the famous uh, ETs that we don't really know, have technology way beyond what we can understand. Yeah. Um, it's, do, you, it's, do you suppose that it could be cloaked? Its shape could be cloaked? So we can't really see it? Uh, those don't seem to come near to Earth. Those, those kind, that kind that I'm describing are only seen close to the sun. And we're only able to see that because of the satellite uh, SOHO camera. Hmm. You um, puzzled. I don't know. Why are you puzzled? Those are almost like floating cities. I mean, right. They're so huge. And I had read one book by Elena Danan. She was an abductee, and she was rescued by some of the good ETs members of the Galactic Federation. She's written two books, and she was saying that some people, some of the ETs, who may be humanoid, live on these uh, UFOs, and it's like a city. And some right. of them have never grown up on a planet. They have just lived on these UFOs. And to me, that would be a good example, that flying right. Phoenix this, Hotel. This is huge. You could, live, you could live forever. And I kind of think of them as... Um, like we think of cruise ships, you know, people get on cruise ships and go all around the world. Yeah. Um, and I combine that with uh, conversations and with information from Charles Hall. And I won't go into his background a, a lot, but he uh, interacted with a race of uh, ETs called the Tall Whites. They were out yeah. in Nevada. Uh, the government uh, the government definitely was in interacting with them. Mm -hmm. And they regarded Earth is like a bus stop. And so they would come here on tours and stay for X amount of time. Uh, sometimes they stay for a long time. But anyhow, it was regarded like a bus stop. And one of the stories uh, from Charles Hall that um, uh, just kind of tickled me was that the female 
uh, tall whites uh, became very interested in his Sears robot catalog and they would um, they would search for clothing and the government actually would get it for them and they loved to try to get as close to looking like humans as they could and they would go into the casinos out in Nevada uh, because out there uh, you can be a showgirl or a, you can be a uh, you know, just an odd character, and people won't pay any attention to you. Yeah, that's amazing. Masquerading as a human. Yeah. How interesting. <laughs> I mean, they were pretty much humanoid looking, weren't they? They were just yeah, very they, they didn't look like a human should look. They're very, very thin, very, very pale, very light, um, thin light hair. Skinned. So if you Almost saw albino. it, you think, oh, there's something really wrong with that human, you know? Yeah. Um, he didn't describe them at length, their appearance. He didn't describe them. Charles Hall? Um, he wrote, he? I think, at least five, maybe five volumes. Um, I, wish he had, I wish he'd do a version where he'd condense it into one volume. Uh, if you can read all of it, then you begin to get a more complete picture of these ETs. Most people aren't going to read all of his volumes, but he's got information there. Now, those tall whites, they were living in Nevada. Do you recall why they were there? They weren't digging up minerals, were they? Were they mining? Um, I'm not, I, my information on this comes from Charles Hall. I'm not aware of any mining operation. Because I think that there, um, there are a lot of races walking amongst us. I know some of them look like us. Some of them are incognito, like those tall whites. Um, supposedly, according to Alex Collier, um, he actually worked for the government too, but now he's been focusing on his ET contacts. And he said that we are, he has been told that the human race in general is made up of 22 different races. So I agree with you, we're probably a big experimental farm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of experimenting going on on this planet. Yeah. Some of it, I wonder if it's failed miserably, because the more I look around at uh, the world situation, I go, oh, my God, what is wrong with us? <laughs> oh, another thing, too, in talking about the sun and what we've seen in front of the sun, do they appear to you in general to be coming through the sun or passing by it in front of it? The, all the ones that I have in the book look like they are passing by the sun. By it. Um, now, because... there's one picture, uh, and this I had on the website, not in the book, and there's this round orb, um, and it has like an umbilical cord that connects yes, with the sun. That it. was on the internet a lot. A lot of people saw it. Yeah. But it stayed there for over 70 hours, and all I could think of was they were... Um, refueling? Refueling. Refueling yeah. by getting energy from the sun. The, yeah, that, that was the round like one. That. All these other ones that I've told you about aren't round. Yeah, and some people do believe that our sun acts like a portal and that it's not, um, that it's cold fusion and it's not as hot as we think it is. It's either that or they have the technology to get right up yeah. there into it or around it and not melt. Not Anything that we as humans would make, we would expect it to uh, melt. Yeah. Um, is that about uh, all you want to say about the sun? That'll, that's good enough. But there's lots of good pictures, and I hope people will take a good look at it. Oh, and again, I'll, re I'll restate something, and that is there's only three pages in the book that don't have photos. So this is an adult uh, picture book, but <laughs> it's packed with lots of information. And the writing is to a minimum because uh, people today are um, so busy or so restless um, that they don't really take the time to read a whole lot of gray type in a book. And so I really try to get to the core of everything very quickly. Oh, I think it's wonderful that you've spent all this time to, to collect all this information so that other people can find it. Because people in general just aren't aware of this. And a lot of people have... don't have time to, to do the exploring. Right. They get a big stack of books with all the intention to read them, and they yeah. just don't have the time to do it. Um, a little bit about my background regarding this book. Um, part of my training is in graphic arts, and I have worked in children's book publishing. So I have done this book from scratch myself. I did that because, first, I know how to do it. But second of all, I didn't want anybody messing with this. And uh, um, that way I knew that it would come out the way it 
should come out. Mm. Well, how about if we hop to Antarctica? Um, uh, this woman that had been bedridden was uh, using Google Earth, and she found an ancient city in Antarctica. We haven't talked about that yet. Okay, all right. So, and um, I, I have the, the picture, and it's amazing she found it because it looks like a black crack in the ice. And she had spent months looking, just looking, and didn't find anything. And for some reason, she kind of went down into this crack in the ice, and that's where she found this first city. And we're, again, talking square-cut walls, rectangular walls, square walls. And uh, uh, once I learned that she had found that, I started uh, exploring myself. And between the two of us, we found five ancient cities emerging from the ice in Antarctica. Was it in the same and crevice? Not all in that crevice, but that's where the that's where one the, of them was. One yes. of them was. Mm -hmm. um, the photos of that that almost looks pixelated because it does have angles, and it almost looked like someone wanted to obscure what you found. Have no, you found those are actually the walls. It's the standing walls. Uh, you know, when when ancient structures fall apart, the roof is the first thing that disappears. So the only thing I did to those photos is I turned up the contrast just enough so that the walls clearly pop up so you can see them. Yeah, and they do. Um, well, then what about, that would be like 34 million years old, right? Because that's how long Antarctica has been covered in ice, correct? That seems to be the most common um, time period that I hear from scientists, yes. Okay. So well, that is truly ancient. Uh, compare it to um, the, the Great Pyramid, 5,000 years. It's not even 5,000 years old. Compare 5,000 to 34 million. I mean, there's no yeah. comparison. It's hard to believe millions of years old. Right. Comparatively speaking, you, you mentioned that... Um, By the way, those have been covered up too. I mean, some of them. You can still see. I have the before pictures and the after pictures. You can, When you see the before picture, you can see where it would be in the after picture, but it's been blurred. So... Um, again, this is evidence of another cover-up in Antarctica. Well, there's also some of those ancient structures that are coming to the surface because um, there's so much melting going on in Antarctica because it's kind of warming up. And there were some of the circles that mimic what, what has been found in South Africa. And it's been determined by Michael Tellinger that those in South Africa are like 200,000 years old. And you're seeing the same thing in that one particular picture on Antarctica, but <clears throat> the ones that you found are millions of years older, and yet they look more modern to me. Right. I think whatever ancient culture was here in very ancient times uh, was very not, sophisticated. not an agricultural um, farming kind of society. It was advanced. So would you agree that you think they might have been incredibly technologically advanced? Yes. yes. That's kind of what it's looking like. Right, Did, and think of that Air Force strip. I mean, that was once above ground. So that that uh, airstrip looks as modern as the one out of Spokane, Washington. I mean, True, because you've got hovercraft that land like this, or you've got mm -hmm. stuff that comes in, and apparently that's what they had in the Pacific or Ocean. One, or one of the things they had, because I mean, it, I hope everybody takes a look at that, because it really looks like an airstrip. Oh, it does. It's incredible. But 89 miles long? Must mm -hmm. have been a, a huge ship coming in. Absolutely. You know, I did find a couple of craft that were that sat, they've been found seated on the ocean floor between Denmark and Sweden, is it across the bay? Um, it looks like stone and it's almost like a horseshoe shape, but they were saying that that was several hundred thousand years old. Yeah, and it, the, nobody's conclusive, been made an absolute conclusion on what that is. Um, I know when that first was discovered, we had it on the website. And it does look like um, some of the spacecraft that we've seen in, in sci-fi movies. Truly, it does. So you, it does make you wonder. It Apparently, with the, those two vehicles in particular, they had skidded in too um, because there were like streets on, on the ocean floor. Yeah. So you just wonder how far back this all goes. You know, according to the Navajo, what we're in the fifth world, I think, the fourth or the fifth world. Right. 
So you know, who's to say how many times the Earth has gone through these convulsions and purging where people came, people died, and then uh, there was more other influxes of, of different colonies coming to Earth. So it's just hard to- As long to... as I can remember, it seems like people have talked about the Earth being a schoolhouse and uh, perhaps the whole planet is a little bit like the teacher's blackboard. And after it all gets filled up with stuff, gets erased, and the next class comes in. Yeah. And um, considering that the humans, or I think we're all human, um, that we've been hybridized, I think we've been experimented upon, as well as the, the flora and the fauna. I think the animals have been, as well as um, you know, the plants. What yeah. do you think? We see our own scientists in our own lifetime doing all sorts of experiments, trying to, you know, make the tomatoes better or whatever. Um, That's true. Yep, they. It's the same principle. We breed dogs, and we, we you dogs. know, we mix breeds, and we experiment on animals. Yep. Yeah, not and you know, different. one of your hosts had asked you the question whether or not you thought that we were developed from primate DNA. Why don't you tell him what you told him? Tell us what you, he told you. <laughs> well, I don't remember what I said, but anyhow, oh. uh, I think this is an experimental planet. I think that uh, DNA has been pulled from different sources. Um, I often, not often, but when the subject of Bigfoot comes up, which is another subject I get into, yeah. um, I regard them as our distant cousin because they've actually been able to get the DNA on the Bigfoot. And a lot of times uh, the results come back and it says it's just human. Well, the only way that you find out it's a Bigfoot is you have to have the paternal DNA, which is only found in the nucleus of the um, you know, the cell, and that's more difficult to get. Normally, you just get the maternal uh, DNA, and that has always been human. The thing that makes the Bigfoot unique is uh, the paternal or the father side of the DNA, which is some unknown species. Yeah. Yeah, there's stuff going on we don't know about. <laughs> um, well, I, first of all, the, the picture on your book is... Was that photoshopped, or where did you get that photo? Oh, absolutely, was uh, I got, I bought that. That's the only uh, uh, picture that's bought, and it's for the cover. And uh, uh, the gentleman whose name I can't remember right now, I've got his name in the book. It's beautiful. Um, it it shows a spaceman on Mars walking away from the camera, and there is a um, uh, the Earth in in the background. Okay. Uh, let me here. Maybe you can see it. Yes, that's what you're beautiful. talking about. We will be putting up a, a, a picture in post-production. Right. Now, that, that, that was photoshopped, absolutely. It's the only photoshopped picture in the whole book. <laughs> yeah. But I think it was so dramatic, and it tells the picture, and that's why I decided to use it. It's excellent. I, you know, you'd have a hard time finding, if it were authentic and original, you'd have a hard time finding it and then using it. I'm sure they right. keep it from right. you. And when um, you publish, you have to make sure that you, uh, you know, get have the, the, yeah. the right to use the photos. Get the credits and so forth. Okay, here's the burning question I have. I know a lot of these pictures are public and, and the public has access to them, although stuff gets scrubbed. But do you, are you concerned about either being harassed or sabotaged? You do have one story regarding that. Uh, I don't know if I, have I told you that story from a long time uh, It ago? had to do with your UFO folder? Oh yeah, that's, a, that's the first computer I had when I was working on this project. Um, I was at the computer and uh, was doing a UFO story. I didn't finish it, went to bed, got up the next morning to finish it, and it was gone. And all of my UFO files were gone. I called in the man who was uh, responsible for the um, uh, computers at uh, the nearby university, and he came to my home, and he was befuddled because he said he couldn't even find a trace of these in the bowels of the of the computer, and he'd never seen a case where just one specific thing had disappeared and everything else had been the same. That's the only time that, well, it's not the only time, but it's the most dramatic time 
uh, where uh, something very deliberately was done to get rid of the photos. Did you ever have any of that information written or stored somewhere else? Did you lose it no, all? No, no, that was the early days. Hmm. That's along, along that same lines, have you been visited by the black helicopters? Uh, no. Or the men in black? Uh, no, I've talked to people who've been intimidated by the men in black, but I personally haven't. Well, have you been contacted good. really by them? Mary? By people who who've had contact with the men in black, not the men in black. Myself. Oh, okay. Not after you, though. No. Uh -uh. Well, that's good. No, I, I, uh, I, I, believe, I believe that what I'm doing is uh, important enough that uh, uh, I feel like I'm being protected. Oh, I think you're doing a service. Truly. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. Two more minutes. Okay. Um, I guess it's a known fact that, you know, Microsoft has, has allowed for back doors for the government to access any ISP. So it doesn't surprise me that they found your ISP and decided to delete one of those files. But well, it's the, kind most, of the most recent story of that nature is um, I, was, I was working on something in Antarctica and I got on the phone and talked to somebody whose name you would recognize who's very well known in this field. Uh -huh. And um, again, I went and took a shower, came back, and it had been um, blurted out the very thing that I had sent uh, to be looked at. And that was done during the time I took a shower, and I don't take real long showers. So uh, that disappeared real quickly. But that's the most recent thing that I can think of. Um, you haven't anyhow. been followed? If I have, I've been too, too dense to notice it. <laughs> okay, you were oblivious? <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of creepy. Now, listen, I, I'm, I'm not a fool. I'll give you an example. Oh, no. There, there, there's a, a base here called, uh, around here it's known as Perry, the Pisgah Astronomical Research Institute. There is a facility city-sized beneath that. And I, spiritually, mentally, however you want to think about it, was told I should never go past the gate there. But I've gotten close to it, and, I've, and each time I've been there, there have been other people in the car with me, and all of us have experienced this weird sensation in our heads, and it makes it's very unsettling. It makes you want to just get out of, get away from there. And I call it people repellent, and I think they're using some kind of a, I don't know, a magnetic field or... Uh, electromagnetic field or something that they're sending out infrasound that could be infrasound I, I didn't hear you infrasound possibly possibly something that makes you feel uncomfortable and you don't yes, want to be there. yeah and um, there's another site that's beneath the Smoky Mountain National Park and one of the people who went to investigate it more for us who is a former military uh, it was a woman, and she uh, had she felt fine. It was a beautiful day, and the birds were singing. And as she got close uh, to this facility, everything got quiet. She began to feel nauseous. She began to have that weird sensation in her head, and it didn't clear up until she started going back down the mountain. Could wow. also be high EMF. Yeah, high EMF yeah, readings. Unfortunately, um, we're we're out of time. We're almost there. Um, yeah, there. <laughs> Uh, Mary, would you like to tell us your four books? It's Spy in the Sky is the most recent one, the one I'm the most excited about right now. Second one is Bigfoot, Beyond the Footprints. Uh, third one is Cherokee Little People Were Real. Uh, fourth one is Underground Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains. And the last one is Tangible Le Evidence of Jesus Left Behind for Us to Find. Okay, well, let me say, I think you're very brave for bringing this book forward. I, I can't wait to, to read it and look at it. because I really hope people will get it because I think it's important that we as is. citizens of this world have the right to know a little bit more about what's really going on. Agreed. Good. Well, thank well, you very much, Mary. We yes. really enjoyed it. Thank you, Mary. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. you take care. Uh, you, okay. you as well. Thank you.